Good morning. I am so glad that you're here today. I, God has been doing something the last couple of weeks, and uh, we want to stay in the flow of what he's doing. Can you say amen to that? So um, if you're with us um, today for the very first time, we just genuine, just heartfelt, so glad that you're here. And I do not believe it's by accident that you're here. I believe God has an encounter for every single one of us. So I hope that wherever God is moving in your life, we just want to be available to help you, to assist you, and to help maybe in your first steps. And I just believe somebody's going to get saved today. I just believe someone's going to come to faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time. There's a revival that's sweeping across our nation, started in Asbury, Kentucky, with some students who got to the front of the altar after a chapel service was over on a Wednesday, and they just kept worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. Students were literally running to the cafeteria, running to classrooms and saying, you've got to come back into the chapel. God is doing something. In those moments, in those days that the worship never stopped, the outpouring of what God did in that moment was that he was starting to clean out the students that were holding on to bitterness and anger and addictions and uh, a lot of guilt and things that they were just holding on to, and they were releasing all of that to God. When someone says, I need help from God, he comes. And when he comes to an empty vessel, he can pour in his spirit. So two weeks ago, if, if you happen to, to not be here, God just broke through and there was, I didn't even get to the message, there was just moments of everybody just coming forward and some came to the microphone and said, I'm struggling with this, I got to get this off my chest, Jesus forgive me here, I've been carrying this and God has been pouring out his spirit the last two weeks here at MVCC and what I believe God is doing is he's preparing us for a huge outpouring of revival I don't think it's any coincidence at all that this is happening across the nation. And my understanding is there's over 30 colleges now where students are worshiping in the chapel, not because they have to be there, but because they're so desperate for God. And so here's, here's where we are, brothers and sisters, family, friends. I mean, we're all family here, right? And I, I really wish we could just all go over to my house and just talk in my living room because I just want to talk to you today about what I believe God is doing. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't, want, I don't want us to miss where God is moving across our nation. How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? He is returning. And things are being set up. In the book of Matthew, chapter 24 and 25, there's example after example after example of the things that will start to, to increase in our society. And they are pains, labor pains, if you will, showing that Jesus Christ's return is near. Now, here's the deal. I believe with all my heart that God is sweeping across the globe and he's bringing one more revival where I believe millions of people are going to come to Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. What we don't want to do, what we do not want to do is say, oh, that's so nice. Some college students are getting right with God. That's so wonderful for them. Hallelujah, that's wonderful. Now can I get back to my life? I want us to be so in the flow, in the flow of what God is doing. We must, there's one key, re, one key requirement in all this, and that is humility. That is humility that is getting on our knees, that is saying, God, I thought I knew you. I thought I had a passion for you. God, I didn't realize until now that all these things I've been holding on to, resentment, bitterness, addictions, problems, I've been holding on to those, and I've been deceiving myself, God. I've been lying to myself. I have not been honest with you. I have not been honest with the people that are the closest to me. I, I love one of the prayers of our sisters who came up two weeks ago and said, I sometimes just have a, 
a, a crummy attitude, and I'm sorry. It's the little things like that that God says, now I can pour out my spirit into you. So something happened at our men's Bible study. The week after that, one guy, tears in his eyes, began to share right before we had Philippians 4 opened up, just like we normally do every Saturday morning. And one guy started sharing an experience he had with God. And he was so undone, he came to a place where he said, I have been such a selfish Christian. I thought I was totally sold out, but I wasn't. I realized that the Holy Spirit was wanting more from me. And as he wants more from me, he puts more of himself in me. Then something happened at our Young at Heart next, last Thursday. Young at Heart is 55 and older. So we just opened up the microphone after uh, I, I just gave a, a word out of Acts chapter 2. And all of a sudden, two ladies came forward. These women have lived longer than I've lived. And one of them confessed that she had been unforgiving in her heart against somebody. And she's now confessing it before her brothers and sisters. One person who's in her 80s confessed that she hasn't been a part of her word and been a part of prayer. She's neglected that and she's gotten really lazy with that. 80 years old, you would think by that year we get it right, right? But she didn't. She's confessing her heart. What I'm saying to you is that God is on the move. Oh, one more. Wednesday night. Last Wednesday night, we have student ministries here. Junior high, high school, and then Monday is young, young adults ministry. I just want to say that God broke through on Wednesday night. I, I'm, I'm serious about all this. God is moving across all age groups here at MVCC. And why is that? Because I believe there's faithful people like you that have been praying and seeking God long before you ever got to Mission Vale Christian Church. Don, I know you've been praying, man. Back in the day when you got saved at Melody Land, you got saved when God's spirit was moving over Anaheim. Can you believe it? God moving over Anaheim? And there was a stream of churches that were waking up. Now, I just want to share with you a couple of quick things before. Um, I, I, actually, I want to have our uh, student ministries pastor and our junior high director share what happened on Wednesday nights. Why I, I want so much for this to be shared with us. I just, I just want you to know what God is doing because I want you to catch it. I want you to be in the right place. I want to be in the right place where God is moving. And I don't want to miss whatever he's doing. So they're in regular Wednesday night worship. Last Monday, last Wednesday was called One Night. It was just a night of worship. And so um, Pastor Zach, I'll let him tell the story. But something happened in the atmosphere on a Wednesday night. Students are not gathering here on Wednesday just to play games, eat food, and just kind of joke around. They're here because God is here. And I believe God has got a hold of their hearts now. And it's interesting that whenever God gets a hold of someone who's younger, he breaks through in such a powerful way. And, and I believe that those of us who have already been around that corner of that generation, God is wanting us to get in that very same pocket that they're in. Are you ready? So um, Pastor Zach and Jonathan, could you guys come up and just tell us? I'm I just so excited about what happened because none of this was planned. None of this was pre-scripted. None of this was rehearsed. They didn't know what was going to happen. I just want Pastor Zach to tell. And here's, here's just before Pastor Zach shares. It starts with leadership. It starts with us who are serving you to admit that we don't have it all together, that there's, there's, there's mishaps and there's problems and things that we struggle with, and sometimes we don't measure up. And can I just tell you that sometimes as your pastoral team, I know with Jonathan here as a director, I know his desire is to serve in the ministry and have that pastoral role, that, that sometimes there's pressure on us and I don't mean that to say that feel sorry for us. I'm just saying we do it to ourselves because we want so much to present to you the living Christ. 
But sometimes we struggle with stuff on the inside and it hurts. And, 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 and so I just want you to know uh, the guys that we have on staff, the women that we have on our team, I can say this from the heart without even, without even question. They genuinely love Jesus with all of their heart. And I know that they love you. We have a Tuesday morning prayer meeting just for our pastors. Every Tuesday we pray every morning. And I don't have to mandate them to come. They come because they know they've been in the DNA here. The power source for all ministry is prayer. Prayer sets the pace. Prayer sets the course. And so um, would you just tell us how God used you? I know that you did something extremely different on Wednesday night, not knowing what the outcome would have been. And I know that it was a little scary for you. But I just want you to tell the folks, tell me what you told the students as you really felt like God was moving on the worship during that Wednesday. Yeah, so thanks, Pastor Mike, for letting us come up and just share about this because this is just so exciting. I hope you're encouraged by this just to hear how God is moving through our students right now. Um, so like I said, we had a night called One Night where um, we don't get to have worship every week, so we get to have worship on this night. And just in regards to how God is moving through just the whole country right now, it was on our hearts. It was like, man, we don't want our students to miss um, this invitation to experience Jesus for the first time. And so we got together. Um, we just started going over the verse Second Chronicles where um, God tells us very plainly, he goes, look, if you want to experience me, he says, humble yourselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways. And he mm. says, I will heal your land and I will forgive your sin, meaning I will heal your heart. So we started off the night with that. And like Pastor Mike said, it was a testimony to prayer. Um, the atmosphere was different when they were all listening. When I started talking, I was like, something's different about tonight. So um, it was just awesome. And so I just got a chance just to be real myself, um, start sharing about some of my own struggles just with my family and um, trying to raise my kids. And my son at two years old was diagnosed with autism. And we were just talking about how going through that, um, and it just really set the precedent to say, hey, this is a place to be real. We all have struggles. Every single one of us have struggles. But when you can realize where your wound is, you can know who the healer is. Um, and that just opened up a night to students just to surrender. And it was just such an amazing night. So they started coming forward and some of them were just yes. surrendering to God? Yeah, so here's what we did. So um, if you've come in the past couple weeks or on our prayer nights, um, Pastor Mike, he has us do this a lot where we come to the front and get on our knees. And I explained why we do that to our students. Um, I explained very plainly. I said, number one, to get up from your seat around your friends and come to the front. Number one, it's an act of boldness to say, Jesus, I'm for you. I don't care who knows and secondly to get on your knees here is a way of surrendering and just saying jesus i need you i don't understand what's going on but romans 8 28 i have problems but i trust that you're going to work all things for my good so we saw students come to the front and get on their knees um, we had about eight students stand up to say yes i want to accept jesus for the first time and we had yes. other students lay their hands on them and pray for them then i gave the invitation to the rest of the students said hey if you want to leave this place even if you need to recommit or you're already a christian but you're going to stand right now and say i'm leaving this place saying i'm committing my life to jesus back on my school campus and the way i live and about, you know, another 80% of the room stood up. And it was just such a, just a, a, a moment for us, which is so cool. So excited about that. Awesome. And we, I, you guys know better than I do, students in this age group are so distracted. Social media, mm -hmm. pressures, temptation, all that stuff. Yes. There was no distraction in that, that, that gathering on Wednesday, right? You know, Jonathan has a cool story. Yeah, I'm going to let him share this right now. You want to tell the story? Jonathan, cool. tell yeah. us. Jonathan's our junior high director, so... Um, if you want to know about junior high, ask Jonathan. <laughs> That's me. Um, yeah, so I was kind of just in the back with the kids in the back, um, just kind of keeping watch as Zach was kind of sharing his story and sharing his heart. And um, we have, you know, those kids back there. And um, one of our regulars, um, we had a, a visitor who was kind of causing some trouble. He was, he was on his phone. He was, you know, playing music and like, oh, look at this picture, blah, blah, blah. He was just kind of distracting the people around him. Um, and this normal student that we normally have who is a kid that sits in the back, and he 
Um, he kind of turned around and he was just like, hey man, like, can you just please be quiet and, and I'm just trying to, to pay attention. And I was like, I was sitting there, I was like, oh, all right, here we go. This is, this is serious, this kid. So then he kept on going and he turned around and he's like, hey, I know you're a visitor. We want you to be here. But if you're going to be here, please be respectful um, or don't be here. And it was like, I was like, oh, no way to heat it. Like, I've actually said this to that student. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was such, I don't know. It was just, we've seen, yes, the, the atmosphere, atmosphere was shifted. Yeah. It was absolutely crazy to see these students actually take, take this moment seriously of, of this is a place where we're actually worshiping God. Um, especially, like, like Pastor Mike said, of just this world is so dark and they're so consumed by it. And just to have them just take a moment and take a breath and realize that they're not the center of the universe, it was, it was incredible. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys for sharing. Thanks so much. Can I just say, if you're yeah. a young adult, um, we're doing that this Monday. It's a space for you guys. If you're 18 to 30 years old, come hang out with us here in the landing on Monday night. Spread the word. Tell everyone you can. Because again, if you come hungry, just ready to see God, man, God will not hold himself back from you. I mean, we're just going to come ready to see what happens when we pursue God. So if you're young adult, come out, hang out with us. It's going to be awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Pastor Mike. Open up your Bibles to Luke 19. This is the word of God. This is life. Amen. I'm going to introduce you to a guy before we read the text because I think context is so important to get the text and what God is wanting to share with us today. I believe God is on the move, as I mentioned, and we certainly want to be at the center place of his word. So there was a small guy. His name is Zacchaeus. You might remember this if you've been around maybe Christianity for a while, maybe a familiar account, but I believe something hopefully this week will be different about this. He was a son of Abraham by birth, which means he was Jewish, but he was extremely lost. In fact, he was, as we're going to read in just a second, he was a chief tax collector. So that tells us he was a well-groomed CPA. He had his own business. He was growing up in the business, and he had affluence and probably influence in the culture. People looked up to him. He had everything that world could ever offer. He was wealthy. He was well-looked at, although at the same time, he was not respected by others who are part of the Jewish faith. Because he worked for Rome, and because then he was ripping people off of the Jewish faith, he was considered a traitor by some. And so tax collectors in that day were really at the bottom of the societal ladder as far as status was concerned. So this is the guy, Zacchaeus, and he happened to be very, very short. He was in a city called Jericho. Jericho, as we looked at last week, is um, the oldest city mentioned on the face of the earth. Old, old city. In fact, they say that, I've never been there, but they say that when you get close to Jericho, you can, you can literally smell the palm trees in the air. You can smell the flowers. It's, my understanding back in the day it was a beautiful place. And here he hears this rumor that Jesus is coming to Jericho. He's coming. He's got to see him. Why? Why is he so urgent about seeing Jesus. And because there were crowds of people, we don't know exactly how many, but we know whenever Jesus comes to town, there's everybody hanging around where Jesus is. Jesus is the word. He's the spoken word. There's miracles. There's, there's uh, signs. There's wonders. There's things of heaven. And people wanted to see who this man was. Could it be that this man is the Messiah 
promise for thousands of generations that's going to save Israel. It's going to save the world. And so there was all of that swirling around in the atmosphere of the people of that day. And so Zacchaeus thought, if I could just catch a glimpse of Jesus, I just want to see him. So the only alternative he had, and I relate to this because he's short, which we'll read in just a moment, that I understand being short, and you want to be tall, you want to be able to see, and I'm sure there were moments that he tried to jump up and get ahead so that he could see Jesus, and he just couldn't see him. And the sycamore trees are very common in that day, and they had long limbs that would overhang where the road was, probably where Jesus was coming. He could hear the crowd, he could hear the excitement, and he thought, I will climb up this tree because it's the only way that I can see if he's who he said he is. Are you with me? Can you see him in the tree? Okay, let's read the text together, Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very, very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quickly, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Can I just stop here for a second? Can you imagine seeing Jesus, and he looks at you, and he says, I'm coming to your house tonight. We're going to eat. We're going to have a wonderful time. Would you run home early and make sure that everything's in order? Would you make sure that everything, I'm sure Zacchaeus was probably a little bit nervous, but if According to culture and according to the day, that was kind of a normal thing. When someone asks to go into your home and have a meal with you, it's not about the meal. It's about fellowship with you. And what Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, I've seen you for millions of years. I've seen you. I made that tree. I knew that you'd be up that tree. And here I am. I am calling you because there is a divine appointment that I want to give you in your life. It's not about following the rules. It's not about following religion. It's not about knowing everything. It's about your heart engaging with my heart. It's about repentance for the kingdom of God is near. Calm down, my old. I haven't started the sermon yet. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Can you just underline that in your Bibles? He came down with excitement and joy. But the people, whenever you make a move for God, don't be surprised. Someone's going to come after you. Someone's going to doubt it. Someone's going to oppose you. Look what they said. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give you half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and I have cheated people on their taxes. When's the last time we ever heard an IRS agent say that? I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, wonderful. Salvation has come to this home today, Zacchaeus. For this man was shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came, here's the key verse, came to seek and save those who are lost. Somebody say amen. He is definitely, the first thing we see here, he is seeking. 
Listen, I, I don't come to a place like this religiously. I don't come to this place because I have to. I come because I want to. I come, yes, because I love him. Yes, because I like him. But I will be honest with you, I need him. I need Jesus every single day, even though I've accepted the Lord over 30 years ago. I need Jesus every day, man. If I don't see Jesus every day, if I don't connect with him, if I don't come to a place like this, as the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering together of saints as some are in the habit of doing, Hebrews tells us, I know that I don't get my tank filled up. I'm missing something. I'm missing something. And I don't ever want to miss where God is moving, God is working. I need Jesus every day. And I think that's where Zacchaeus was. He was a seeker. He was watching. There was something longing in his heart. I got to believe out of all the riches and all the wealth and everything that he had, all the status that he had among his peers, there was something missing in his heart. Zacchaeus was sad. There was a loneliness. There was an emptiness. He was lost. I just wonder if there's anyone here today that just feels lost. Can I just say this? Even though we've accepted Jesus and we made that true commitment, we have surrendered our heart to him. There are moments we can still lose our way. I don't mean losing salvation. I just mean sometimes we lose our way. Last week, there was a few days that Mission Viejo area was in the low 40s. Did you feel it? It's cold. And our furnace went out. Uh-huh. That's what I said. Oh, no. My wife called and said, the furnace broke. Head for the hills. We're dying. And my first reaction was, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And for, just within a millisecond, it felt like, Wait a minute. Am I so spoiled? Have I got so conditioned that I, I just expect things to be the way I want them? So we did what probably everyone else would do. We ran down and got Dura flames, a whole box of them. We threw them into the fire, threw some wood on there, and it was so cool. My wife and I just turned off the television, and we just sat in front of the fire, and we just, we just, we just got in that warmth, that place. And because it was so cold everywhere in the house, I wanted to be as close to the fire as I possibly could. And I think that's where Zacchaeus, it's cold, it's lifeless out there in the world without God, isn't it? We can lose our way and we just want to be close to where the fire is, the fire of God. If you're here today and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, there is a fire that's burning across our nation. I believe that. I just talked to a pastor yesterday who had a gathering at Robert Schuller's old church, the Crystal Cathedral, and just gathering leaders together. And here's what they did. They got on the platform and they asked for forgiveness together where they have been wrong. God is stirring something up. He's doing something. And I think there was a little bit of humility inside of Zacchaeus, as proud as he was, as as, as, as excited as he was about his own life, there was something still missing. And that's why he was seeking. He was seeking something bigger than himself. God is bigger than us. And he doesn't hover over us saying, well, when you get it, you get it together, I'll come down. He says, I already came down before you got it together. That's why I love you so much. Romans 5, 6 says, while we were still powerless, 
Christ died for the ungodly. He died for all of us. When Jesus hung on that tree, isn't it interesting that Zacchaeus went up the tree and Jesus, in a few days after this experience in Jericho, Jesus would go up the tree. He would go up to a cross and die for us. That's the, that's the essence of what Jesus is trying to communicate to Zacchaeus. He was an Israelite. He was a Jewish person. He was part of a holy lineage. Whenever I meet somebody who's Jewish, I say, excuse me, can I just touch you for a minute? Because, man, you have royal blood in you. You came from the line of David. You came from the line of Jesus. Jesus was Jewish. I would think with Jewish people, they're the most easiest person, people to say that Jesus was Jewish. He came for you first. He's your Messiah. He wants you to know him, and he's madly in love with you. And that's where Zacchaeus was. He was searching, he was looking, and here's what I love about this. Jesus sought him. Jesus is looking for you. He's looking for you. And he doesn't always have to have a church building to find us. Isn't that wonderful? They weren't even near a religious building. When I got saved, I was in a gymnasium where they played basketball and volleyball. I wasn't in a church building. Nothing wrong with not getting, getting saved in a church building. But God doesn't need to use church. He doesn't need to use a building to get to us. He can use a sycamore tree that he was foolish enough to walk up that thing and think, I've got to see Jesus. I've got to get a glimpse of him. I want to meet him. I don't know what that conversation was like on the way back to his home, but it must have been glorious. Here's a question I have for us. How desperate are you? How desperate? There's a line in the movie, Jesus Revolution, where Lonnie Frisbee is sitting at a table in front of Chuck Smith, and he says this. Chuck Smith, how desperate are you? How desperate are you? Because my people, the hippies, are sheep without a shepherd. And the churches won't let us in. That's when it all broke. He got up from the table and tears streaming down his face because he knew, even Chuck Smith himself knew that he had become religious. He had become legalistic. He become afraid of what the church elders would say if they let all these barefooted people into his church building. I love that he took a stand. I love that he did what Jesus told him to do and not what man told him to do. And the last thing I see here is that he received salvation. Didn't he say that? Salvation has come to this house not only did he sought, Jesus sought after him, but he saved him. Not because of his good works. He didn't save him because he decided to give all that he had ripped off everybody from taxes. He decided to give all of it back and even more, four times as much, is because his heart was engaged. God is looking for the heart. He's looking for one person. He's looking for a small group of people. He's looking for one person that says, God, I'm not holding anything back. I will do, God, whatever you want me to do. You, Lord, you want me to get baptized? I'll get baptized. Lord, you want me to repent? I'll repent. God, you want me to worship you? I'll worship you. God, you want me to give up the hurt, the pain, all the dark places of my life that we all do it, don't we? We all hold on to those little dark places, those little closets that we have on our life, and we just keep pushing them away and pushing them away because we hope they'll go away, but they don't go away unless we have the courage enough to open up the door and say, Jesus, you come in. Come into my deepest, darkest hurt, God. Come into my deep, deepest, darkest pain that nobody else knows about. I haven't told a soul, but God, I want you to come in because that, where repentance comes, is where he floods in with his Holy Spirit and he fills us 
I want everybody here, everybody here to be full of God's spirit. And that requires all of us to empty ourselves. Here's the hard truth. The hard truth is, and I'm, I'm just speaking to Christians now, and you know that I love you, but I don't want to give you just flowery messages and make you feel good. The hard truth is this. We want God to be in our path. Didn't get any amens on that, but that's okay. We want God to come on our path instead of getting on his path. And what that means, family, what that means, brothers and sisters, I love you, but that means we got to get aligned. We have to get into a place of obedience. Stop doing the things that you know are not Christ-like. Stop. I have personally done an inventory of my life. It was one of the hardest things I've done in a while. I guess it's because of the pandemic and everything, and we were scrambling and trying to figure out church, and how are we going to do this? we got to adjust this, and now we got to be online, and we got to make online better, and who's in our church? I don't even know who's in our church anymore. Everybody's moving around, like shifting around the chess pieces on a table. Who's even, who's even with us? I don't know. How are we going to do children's ministry on a playground? We have, can't even go into the building. All of that, I just got kind of weird. I didn't realize that 33% of pastors quit that year during the pandemic because of the pressure, because we didn't, I, I, I didn't sign up for this. We're losing the church. We're losing the building. We're losing money. We're losing people. I just, I just got spiritually, in some places I got lazy. I started cutting corners. Just little things. You know the saddest thing about all that? When I started doing the little things that, oh, I know, but God will forgive me. Ever done that? And then all of a sudden, it hit me. Because I know the scripture where it says, God disciplines those he loves. And it hurts. But it's good. Because if God didn't lovingly stop me, I could have gone down a path that was detrimental to not only myself, but the people around me. And I don't, make, I don't mean to make it sound like I was just some deep, gross, like I didn't rob a bank or murder somebody or anything. It was just the little things I was cutting corners with. It's not good. Here's the thing. I was deceiving myself. But Jesus said, Mike, come down from that tree. Because I want to have dinner in your heart. I want to get reacquainted with you. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes for you to get to God. That's the message today. Whatever it takes for you to get to God. If you've got to get to your knees, you get to your knees. Well, what will people think? Will they think that I'm really a big bad sinner? We're all big bad sinners. That's why Jesus came. Stop playing the OC game. One of the reasons I think we're here is to help beat the OC out of us. The OC says, everything's great. Everything's fine. We're playing verbal volleyball. Everything's great. How are you? I'm fine. You're fine. And we're not fine. We're not fine. Jesus came in the middle of our mess. That's what he came to seek and save that which was lost. Do we really believe that? The time is now. One of the guys said to me two weeks ago, oh, last Sunday, after we were all on our knees, which I'm going to give us a chance to do that today, he got up from, the guy had been in this church longer than I've been alive. And he said to me, 
And, 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 and his wide eyes were opened. He's known Jesus longer than I have. And he said, God is waking us up. He's waking MVCC up. Something that was dead is now alive. And it's us. It's us. Our city of Mission Viejo, as much as I love it, is asleep. Everybody's asleep to the things of God. How is, how is God going to wake the people up out there who are just lost? It's you and I being woken up by the Spirit of God, by a mighty rushing wind that comes through our life. And it means I have to repent. It means I have to get myself right with God. And if nobody likes this, I, I got to do what God told me to do. When Jesus sent John the Baptist to all the people, first to Israel, the message was so loud and clear, repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus is near. He's bringing revival. And if we don't repent of our sins, if we don't repent of attitudes and wrong ways and things that we're doing, cutting corners, or maybe we're involved in two different things, living one way and living another way, or whatever it is, God is wanting our heart, brothers and sisters, because he's coming. And what I mean by his coming is he's doing a wake-up call among our nation, and we want to be ready for all the people that are going to come to Jesus Christ. There are people that are going to be lined up all the way around the grass area with towels in hand, ready to be baptized. They want God. I believe that's happening, and we must be ready to love them and disciple them and care for them. Helpless without a shepherd, God says, who's going to be my shepherd? Listen to him. If the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something right now, do it. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just do it now. Make the change now. Whatever he's telling you to do. In the Great Awakening in the 1700s, there was one man, one man from Germany named von Zinzendorf. Von Zinzendorf. He was the one that sparked on faith in Jesus Christ among the Moravian people. The Moravians were in 1724 were people that were so sold out for Jesus Christ, they had these 100 long year prayer meetings. A prayer meeting that started and went from one year to 100 years never stopped. Their generations continued to pray. It says that they were out at sea and there was a huge storm, literally a lightning bolt hit the middle of the mast and all the other people on the ship who didn't know the Lord were fearing for their lives and the Moravians lifted their hands and said, this is the day we get to see Jesus. These people had a sold-out heart. They weren't afraid. Then John Wesley came on the scene in the 1700s. He reached the young people for Christ in 1735. They said when John Wesley came into the town, the presence of God followed him in such a strong way that men would get off the ships onto the ports and they would give their life to Jesus Christ, falling on their knees without even hearing the gospel. Because John Wesley was so dedicated, so consecrated to God, to Jesus Christ. In fact, the church threw John Wesley out. That's why he started the mighty Methodist church. Right down here on uh, Maryland's in La Paz, there's a Methodist church. You'll see a logo right among the cross. It's a red flame that goes up like this. And, and, and the red flame signifies the fact that back in the day when John Wesley had the fire of God in his spirit, the Holy Spirit was so full in the mighty Methodist church. That's why they're called the Methodists, because they were so methodical in their devotion to God. It wasn't religion. It wasn't rules. It was, I'm so sold out for Jesus Christ. The second great awakening was in the 1800s by a guy named Barton Stone. 20,000 people. This is before internet. This is before we had phones. 20,000 people came out to hear him speak one time, and all 20,000 gave their life to Jesus Christ. There was another man who came on the scene named Charles Finney. 
Half a million people got saved. The conviction that they were in sin and Jesus loved them and that Jesus is the only one that can save them. Watch this. 80% of the people did not backslide. 80% of the people did not go back to the old life out of a half a million people. Why? Because the glory of God came because consecrated prayer and devotion. In 1857, there was another revival. The U.S., United States of America was falling away from God. I do believe that this nation was founded on on biblical values and men and women who did love God, but there was a falling away in 1857. Political corruption, atheism, apathy, gambling, greed, occult immorality. There was one man named Jeremiah Limpierre in New York City who decided to hold a prayer meeting during this lunch hour at 12 o'clock. Catch this. It caught so much fire because he was consecrated and dedicated to prayer. He wasn't cutting corners, Pastor Mike. His life was right before. And because he was so dedicated to God, literally the businesses in New York City, in New York City, shut down during lunchtime and everybody went to the prayer meetings. It revitalized our entire nation. It moved across from uh, 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 New York to California. Then D.L. Moody came on the scene who started Sunday school for kids. He reached out to the young people because if we can get kids to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, we got the whole generation. In 1904, there was the Welsh Revival. 100,000 people were converted to Jesus Christ. It was so strong, it spread from the east to Africa, where 4,000 people every day in Africa came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. When my son and I went to Africa about eight years ago on a missions trip from MVCC, it made sense to me about why there were so many churches, and almost everybody went to church in Africa, because back in the day, there was a great revival that broke out. 4,000 people every day gave their life to Jesus Christ. We're not done yet, because in 1906, in L.A., right behind us here in Los Angeles, a small little church on Azusa Street, a revival broke out because of prayer meetings that wouldn't stop. Healings, signs, wonders, miracles, like a tidal wave came in, and people not only got saved by the thousands, but all of a sudden, God was on display in Los Angeles. Evan Roberts prayed for 13 months, and his dominant prayer was, God, I will praise you come hell or high water. And his four conditions were this, every sin confessed, anything between you and God, we must renounce, and I will be in complete, number three, obedience to you, Jesus. And number four, there must be a public confession. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I'm not looking back. Then in 1947, it was Billy Graham who came on the scene. And you know Billy Graham, the wonderful crusades that he did throughout the entire world. 1966, on the cover of Time magazine, Is God Dead? Does anybody remember that? In 1969, Woodstock broke out. Anybody been there? What a mess. Our, our United States of America was going down the tubes, but God, God saw something. God saw something in the least likely of the world. He saw hippies. In 1971, the Jesus movement broke out. And you know from the movie and you know from history, some of you were there. All of a sudden, thousands of hippies were getting saved. If hippies could get saved, anyone could get saved. And Chuck Smith had the guts enough to let them into his church and give them a voice because they so loved Jesus Christ. And then three weeks ago in Asbury, Kentucky, a revival breaks out. A revival breaks out that I believe is truly biblical and I believe that is of God. Why do I bring this up? Because just as Zacchaeus was once dead, he was made alive. So alive that complete obedience came to his life. That's the mark of a revivalist. There's now obedience to God. And can I just tell you, there's freedom in obedience. 
When I stopped cutting those corners and it was made very clear to me what I was doing, there's freedom. Oh my gosh, it's like my eyes have been opened. I'm falling in love with Jesus all over again. I'm revitalized in my spirit. God, you are truly alive. What else do you want to do, God? I'm game. Last week, we had some girls get baptized here along with a guy named Justin. Justin had been alcoholic. He was very open about this. Lost his wife, lost his child. He has nothing. Came into recovery. Got into such a, a dark place. He said, God, I have no place else to go but up. Gave his life to Jesus Christ. Comes here on a Saturday morning to the men's uh, life group and, and, and starts to meet the guys. And then says, man, it's my, here's what he said as we were talking to him. It's my dream to get baptized. It's my dream. One little dream. It changed his whole life. I could see in his eyes, this is genuine, this is real, this is authentic, this is really happening. If there's anyone here today that wants Jesus Christ, and don't wait. God is on the move. Do not wait. I just want to show you a three-minute clip right here from, from Jesus' revolution, because I believe it's a monumental moment. If you're wrestling this morning, if there's something, if there's tension, if you're trying to decide, that is so good. That tells me that when you make the decision, you're all in. The worst way to come to Jesus Christ is go, yeah, I guess I'll accept Jesus. I'll kind of add him to my life. Add him to my life. He's everything now. God, I'm surrendering everything to you. This is a scene, um, an actor who plays Greg Laurie at his baptism. And I just, it just, I just want you to watch the moment before he gets baptized. And then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wind this down. I'm just saying, why is it going to prove? Right, it's just modest. Why are you freaking out? I'm not freaking out. I'm not freaking out. Okay, I'm freaking out a little bit. You're going to be fine. for this moment since I first met you. Have you decided? Um, I, I, I don't know. You want to decide right now? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. But you are the savior of the world. You are the savior of the world. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come into my life. I repent for my sins. I repent for all my sins. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and friend. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and my friend. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Greg, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
How do you feel? A lie. You want to decide right now? That's my favorite line. Because we all have decisions to make, don't we? I just want to ask, because I want us to stay in a place of humility. I just want to ask if you would decide to come down to the front and just kneel. And whatever you need to give to God, please, let's do it. Because we want, we want more than anything else, don't we? more of God, and that requires less of me. It requires repentance. If it's you today, you know, Mike, I believe in Jesus, I, I, but I've never fully, I, I, I want to get baptized. I want to surrender my whole life. I don't want to hold anything back. You can come to the front right here, and we're just going to have a time to kneel. This is also a time for communion. If you want to Stay seated or you want to bring your communion to the front. That's perfectly fine in the seat back in front of you. We just want so much. The posture of our heart is the most important thing. But there's something about coming out of my seat and kneeling down at the front, going down into the water, submitting myself to whatever God wants, and I'm going to trust you, God. There's something about that. And I just want to ask us, if that's you, just come. We're just going to have a moment here. And surrender everything, everything to him. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.